And so I loved the character of David and all that he represents because I could feel the moment of everything that he felt, including what I'm going to be preaching on today, and that was... I want to tell you about a story. And I got, I got this. I was actually going to preach on something else altogether. But I started thinking about the, the passage of Scripture, which we will get to in a few minutes, about where David encouraged himself in the Lord. And, and I, the more I read about this, the more I wanted to do the backstory where all of this came from. And so I did. And this is a story of fear. I wanted to tell you this. This is a story fear. And there is not a single person that is listening to me right now. There's not one person listening to me right now that in your lifetime that you have not either have or are presently being troubled with fears in your life. I say fears because it's not just a fear. There are several fears that part of us deal with in our lifetime. For some of us, I know that, 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 that uh, with, my, with my dad, with my own dad, and uh, that, that the, the fear of not having enough money. He always wanted to go the cheap route in doing anything because he was afraid he would never have enough money to, to have what he wanted and dealt with. I know people that have, that have never learned how to swim because they're just honest to God, afraid of the water and afraid of dying and drowning. I know of people right now, um, in, even in the ministry, they will not get on a plane. They will not take engagements if they have to fly because they're afraid of flying. Yeah. That metal tube flying at 35,000 feet that weighs 40,000 or 50,000 tons with 400 people on it, man, that thing should drop right out of the sky. And there are people that actually believe that it will, and because of it, they will not get on a plane. People, some people are, are, are vastly afraid of the dark. Some people are afraid of being alone. Myself, I, I, my wife loves tight places. I am very nervous when I get in a very... I want to speak to you for a few moments. Uh, on the subject, three actions that changed the battle. Three actions that changed the battle. There's something that I've so much that I like about uh, Dave, the story of David. Because there's no other uh, character in, in the Word of God, to my satisfaction, that, that really runs so parallel to who we are today. And the reason being is that, that David's Flaws are broadly represented as well as, his, as the good things about him. His passion toward God seems to be sometimes was the same as his passion uh, when he was hurt. will top up again whenever the occasion arrives. That same fear does not go away just because we run from it. But it's also a story about going over the edge out of tiredness. Let me give you a good example. Let me give you a good example. Okay? There are people that I have known, of course, pastoring as many churches as I've pastored over a 36-year period, okay? You get to know people very well that people can be, that not be, they can look absolutely, as not only stable, but fantastically faithful. But one incident, yeah. one 
one incident can cause them to go over the edge and absolutely leave a church that they have been identified with for 30 or 40 years. They could totally leave over one incident. Leave God. There are a lot of people that have gone over the edge in their life. That don't mean that you've done something you can't come back from. But I mean that you reached the snapping point. You reached the snapping point. Now, let me just rephrase that then. How many here, you'll, 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 you will raise your hand and say, there's been one time in my life I've reached the snapping point. Well, that's what this story is all about. Now, we're going to start right here about the fact that, that the very beginning of this story here starts with David running from Saul because Saul's jealousy of David winning his, you know, slaying his ten thousands before, you know. Saul is extremely jealous, and to get rid of his jealous rage, he's going to seek to kill David. So David flees from the sight of Saul, okay? And one of the first places is with, with the man Ahimelech, who is a chief priest in the land of Nob. And he helped David to escape. He gave him bread to eat, and he consulted God for him. And he gave him, and this is the, he gave him an ephod. Now this is what an ephod looks like right up here. A breastplate that was worn by the priest that when they went before God for the people, went to God for the people, that they would wear this breastplate which was called an ephod and then they would make an appeal to God for the people and they would pray to God for the people and this was what they wore. And so uh, Ahimelech gave David this ephod, after he inquired of God for him, and after he fed him, he gave him this ephod. Now, the reason it is important is because, because Ahimelech, giving David this ephod, gave him the right and authority, by way of transference of office, to be actually in the office of a priest, by him giving him this ephod. And he gave him that authority to go to God for his people. Okay, so he gave him this ephod, okay? And it was the ecclesiastical authority to inquire of God for his people in the order of a priest. So when Saul found this out, he killed not only Ahimelech, Ahimelech, he not only killed Ahimelech, but he also killed 80 priests besides that. And he killed the entire town all of the wives, all of the children, all of the livestock. He slaughtered everybody when he found out Ahimelech had given bread to David and helped him to escape. He slaughtered the entire town. So David fled from Nob and he went to Achash, king of Gath, the Philistines Gath. And from Gath he went to the cave of Abdullam. Okay, now it is at the cave of Abdullam when he fled there that 400 people, the Bible says, that were discontent. Think of if you want to build a church on this, okay? Discontent, in debt, and distressed. That's how the Bible, Bible describes them. 400 men that were discontented, distressed, and in debt. And if all that wasn't bad enough, he also had all of his brothers and all of their family, and all of his father's household, so that at the time that he left the cave of Abdullam, he had 600 people now that he was responsible for. 
at least 600. So he fled, he fled Abdullam then. He fled Abdullam. And uh, the Bible says that, uh, that, that uh, David, that the word came that there was a city called Keilah that was about to be destroyed by the Philistines. And so David used his ephod to inquire the Lord. And he said, should I pursue the Philistines at Keilah? And the Lord said, absolutely, pursue them and you will have great success. And indeed, that is exactly what happened. He pursued the Philistines at Keilah, and, he gave, and the Lord gave him great success. But he fled from Keilah to the wilderness of Ziph, to the wilderness of Ziph where he had compassion on Saul and did not kill him when he had the chance because he saw Saul as the Lord's anointed. And then David fled from Ziph to the wilderness of Engedi with 3,000 of Saul's men pursuing him. 3,000 of his men. And from the wilderness of Engedi, he fled to the wilderness of Paran. Okay? And from the wilderness of Paran, he fled to the hill of Hakilah. Of Hakilah. And David fled Hakilah back to Achish to seek the kings of Gath's favor to allow him to live in one of his nearby cities. So now we're back to where we started almost in Gath with Achish. Then, and, and the king there... His name was Maok. Maok, who was the king of the Philistines, said, instead of you being in everybody's face, in the, in the, where everybody is, he said, I'll give you the whole city of Ziklag. And he said, there, you can stay. And he did, with his people, for 16 months. So they fled nine cities over a four to nine year period. At the bottom end, there's four years. At the top end, there's nine years. But they fled nine different cities before they got to Ziklag. Before they got to Ziklag. And there they were there for 16 months. Now here's the thing that, that caught my eye and my spirit about this. You know, a lot of people feel like, oh, I've been running from my fears and I'm telling you, these fears are, 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 are real with everybody. It could be a whole situation. I know that when, we were, when, when Terry was 16 years old, we were faced with all types of fears on, on how to actually raise her because, I mean, as all of you know, if you have ever had a teenage girl or a teenage boy, boy, this is not a simple process at all. And so we had all types of fears of what was going to happen with our child. And, and there was a whole thing, you know, that we were afraid. And, 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 you know, when it looked like everything was going along good, we felt like we found Ziklag. Found a place of comfort. Now we're through running. No, they weren't through running, actually. They just found a place to rest. They found their comfort zone. Would it surprise you to know that there are a whole lot of people that have a total comfort zone with their fears. Yeah. That they have found a comfortable place. Rather than dealing with it, they just live with it. Yeah. They just live with it. They feel, I'm perfectly happy. I mean, imagine the guy that's afraid to fly to the next appointment to preach. You know, and he's, his next appointment to preach is like seven or eight hundred miles away. Oh, he, he'll say, oh, let me tell you something. God has given me such a wonderful car. God has given me such a comfortable car. 
You know, it, it just at the 12 hours that it would take me to drive hardly seemed like 30 minutes. Yeah, really? Doesn't matter that you could have gotten there in an hour and a half if you had not if you had dealt with your fears about the plane. No, you would prefer to spend all of your money and drive in 13 hours rather than admit to yourself, I'm afraid. So this is the place where David and his 600 men were. They found them a comfortable place rather than dealing with the fact that they had fled from Saul for as little as four years and as much as nine years. And they fled like cowards for, from nine cities. Yeah. Does this really sound to you like the king that you want to serve? Maok has now spoken to David, and they've been there for 16 months with the 600 men, and Maok is basically saying, this guy has been a great warrior because he did defeat Goliath. Of, you know, he did defeat Goliath, and he had slayed his 10,000s. So we, he is going to be great in battle. So I think I will go to David, the king of the Philistines, yeah. The king of the Philistines said, I will go to David and I will see if he and his 600 men will join league with me to defeat Saul and the army of Israel. And you know the weird thing about this? David said, yeah, why not? He did. This is the kingdom he's supposed to be reigning over. At some point. And he said, yeah. Now how is it, how is it that he would not kill Saul in the cave of Engedi when he had him, but he has no problem <laughs> joining forces with the king of the Philistines to slay him in battle? What happened? Yeah. Why all of a sudden did he become okay? Well, thankfully... At this point, the soldiers of the Philistines said to Maok, I don't trust him. I don't trust David. We don't know that when we get out in the heat of battle that he, won't, he and his 600 men won't turn on us and do us like he did Goliath. And so Maok sent the 600 men back to Ziklag. Now what has happened here is that on their way back from Ziklag, uh, the Amalekites has burned Ziklag to the ground. The Amalekites has burned it and taken their daughters, their wives, their sons, their cattle, their dogs, their frogs, and everything. And Ziklag is nothing but a heaping piece of mess. And the people, the men, have spake of stoning David. The Bible says because their heart was grieved. They were bitter. And I started thinking, why would they be so bitter? Could it be, could it be that they have followed David and fled from nine different cities and here we are all for what? 
to have our women and our children and our possessions taken by another country and David is here crying with us? Crying with us? The Bible says that David and his men wept until they could, had no more power to weep. Yeah. It reminded me. It reminded me of a, of a moment in time back at my first church when there was this little lady that came and brought me a handkerchief because I had an oily skin. She brought me a, a handkerchief every Sunday right before I preached. Sister Sweat. And, and she was old, and she, she had so many conditions that one day she died, and I was in the hospital room the moment that they put the cover over her. And thankfully, I had one person in my church with me, a man in my church with me, because at the moment that I left that hospital room, I broke. I broke. I loved this woman so much, so much, that I cried and I broke, and I mean, I am just, I am just a mess. And her family, who was there, came right in my face. And they were offended. And they said, look here. You are here to comfort us. Not us comfort you. And that's basically what they said. And you know what? They were right. They were right. It's not my job to break down in front of them. It is my job to comfort them. If I want to have my moment, I can have my moment in a few hours someplace by myself. But my job is to comfort them, not for them to have to comfort me. And that was the, the, what was going on here with David and his 600 men. David was there weeping with them and all of that. And they're not looking for the, to comfort David. They're not looking there for him to weep. They're looking for David to stand up and say, Get on your feet. Get your armor. Get everything together. We're going to go to this place and get our women, our children, and our possessions back. That's what they were looking for. What they got was a heaping pile of mess from David. And there is where this story actually starts. Okay? I want to talk to you about the three things, the three decisions that David did right. Three decisions that he made. And these same three decisions can, you can make yourself and turn any of your fears totally around to where you become victorious and the fears no longer have a hold on you. Okay? Number one. He made a king-like decision. In 1 Samuel uh, chapter 30, in verse 6, the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Listen to this. And this is what really got me going right here, was this statement, that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now let me tell you something. I have, I am, I have been in the ministry uh, pretty much for almost 40 years, not full-time, but I have been doing the ministry for about 40 years. And I'm telling you, and I feel, kind of, I feel strong. I do. I feel strong. And never one time in my entire life have I ever wanted to leave the ministry. Never one time have I ever said, God, I can't take it anymore. Okay? Never one time have I ever wanted to do that. Never one time have I ever attempted to do that. But I'm here to tell you right now, there have been more than numerous occasions whereby I have been, 
I have been drained emotionally. I have felt drained spiritually. I felt like that 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 no one was standing with me, whether it was in the decisions that I was making, or whether it was in the vision that I was that I was wanting to carry out, or or or, or, or just name it. And I felt like no one was wanting to stand with me in this situation. And I'm here to tell you that this can carry over no matter where you are in your life. It could be that you are a parent of whether a child or a teenager, and they are acting like absolute. Wood. Who is this kid? And they're acting like this, and and, and, and you could you could it, it might be that nobody supports your decision to do something right here. And I'm telling you that that could happen just like that. That no one will stand with you. I remember that when I left Atlanta, Georgia, at 19 years old, to come to Southwestern Assemblies of God College in Waxahachie, Texas, that not one single person in my family or my friends thought it was a good idea. Not one person. Why do I need to leave my home, my family, my friends, and all of this to go to a place I've never been before? To go, There's a perfectly good school here. Except for the fact that God said to me at 19 years old, this is where I want you. This is where I want you. And I'm here to tell you that nobody encouraged me. Nobody stood with me in this process. And yet I had to. I, I had a little reality moment with me and God. And I finally just, just, just realized that it was right then, me and God. And I was either going to hear God or I was going to follow them, but I could not have both. And I decided to hear God for myself and go to the place that He told me to go. I encouraged myself. And I'm here to tell you, whether you're facing kids that are going wrong, or you're facing overwhelming odds financially in your life, or you're facing any number of fears in your life, there are going to be times when you don't have people standing with you to prop you up and to encourage you. And if you're looking for that, you're going to fall more than you stand up. Because there's going to be many, 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 many occasions where you're going to have to do what David did, and that is to encourage yourself in the Lord. If you want a king-like favor in your life, you need to make king-like decisions. Oh, glory to God. Let me tell you something. If you're the king of a country, you don't go down into the city and ask for people to support you. You do what has to be done. You do what has to be done. You be the leader that you have to be because they're looking to you. You're not looking to them. They are looking to you. And that goes even double for a pastor of a church. That goes double for a pastor of a church. The fact of the matter is, if I look for anybody and everybody to encourage me on the decisions that I'm making, I'm telling you right now, I would have left the ministry 30 years ago. The shepherd does what he has to do to lead the sheep from still waters into the valleys of the shadow of death if need be. That's right. But when you start to make king-like decisions, God will give you king-like favor in your life. And you will quickly see those fears get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. So David began to act like a king to get king-like results. Listen to this right here. 
And in Revelations chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, And from Jesus Christ, who is faithful, the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the king of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our own sin in his own blood, and he's made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He has made each of you kings and priests unto Him. And so we have the authority to make king-like decisions in our life. You have not only the authority, but you have the mandate to encourage yourself in the Lord. Which means this, that there will be times, I'm certain that there are going to be times in our history together there's going to be times when either somebody's going to say the wrong thing, somebody's going to do the wrong thing, there's going to be hurt feelings at some point. It is absolutely inevitable. That's right. It is inevitable that offenses come. But it's at that time that I'm telling you right now, with God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ on the right hand of God, looking at you while I'm telling you this, you have got to encourage yourself in the Lord. You cannot give in to your emotions. You cannot give in to your fears. You have got a job to do, and that is to be a pillar in the temple of God. The fact of the matter is, if we don't get our act together, what hope do the people have that live in the community around us? We have got to make king-like decisions. Secondly, secondly, he made, he made a priest-like decision as well. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 7 and 8. And David said unto Abathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me the ephod. And Abathar brought there the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord. As it was, though, he only used the ephod twice in as little as four years or as many as nine years, only twice. Here's the thing. If you're wanting to deal with the fears in your life, you're going to have to start inquiring of God instead of thinking that, 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 that you've got it covered and that you can handle it and, and that you can live with it and all like this. No. You know, and I believe the reason that a lot of people don't in, uh, inquire of God and they don't ask God what to do, it's because they're afraid of what He might say. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? 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 I think that they're afraid of what He might say. Because I think he's, they're afraid that He'll say exactly what He said to David. Pursue, overtake, and recover. Pursue, overtake, and recover. We don't want to do that. That might mean that we have to get out of our little zigzag comfort zone. <laughs> Got to get out of our comfort zone to do that. We don't want to do that. And the Lord is saying, if you're wanting to hear from me, you need to pursue, overtake, and recover. And I'm here to tell you right now, there have been a lot of times that I have missed God so completely simply because I went on my own will, my own wits, and my own wisdom, my own strength, and everything else because I really did not inside want to hear what God might have said in the whole situations. I was telling somebody yesterday about in the, in the, the first church that I built, I was so desperately afraid that we would not have enough money to build our first church. Remember, because we went from like $350 a month to $1,400 a month in one month. That's four times.
I was sweating. I was crying before God. And God was just saying, let me know when you're through, okay? And, and just absolutely, I was so desperately afraid that things would not change. And that's the reason that I built my first church on bare bones, stripped down. As much as little, and I, I hired Moe, Larry, and Curly to build it. And I'm telling you, it was a, the, I mean, that first day was a pitiful mess. You know why? It was because of my fear that if I did it right, God might not be able to come through. And of course, just as God is in His infinite wisdom and mercy, we didn't break a sweat. I found out within a few months, I could have built that thing twice as big, twice as nice, done twice as much, and I still would not have broken a sweat. Financially. Because our God is bigger than you. And He's bigger than our fears. He's bigger than our troubles. He's bigger than the circumstances. He's bigger than than the lack of whatever we might have financially. He's bigger than the whole thing. And I'm here to... That is why over the years, Sandy and I have done uh, an about face and how we approach this whole thing. Over the last... Just over this weekend, I I just had a resurgence of of strength and a resurgence of power and faith just envelop me. And I've been thinking, oh my God, we are just actually getting some real money here. You know, and and, and I'm telling you, the Lord just seemed to say, Paul, really? Seriously? After 40 years, you're coming back to this? And I just had to say, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not. Fact of the matter is, God just reassured me, do it right, do it good, do it big, do it bold. And he said, I will meet the need. And that's the epiphany I had this weekend. And I'm telling you, it gave me so much power, I couldn't wait to preach this to you because of it. The last thing that David did, the last decision that he did, was making a warrior-like decision. 1 Samuel 30 and 9 says this, So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook of Basor. In 1 Samuel 30 and 10, But David pursued he and 400 men. In 1 Samuel 30 and 17 through 19, listen to this. And David smote them from the twilight of the evening unto the next day. In other words, he didn't quit fighting, fighting for almost, almost 12 hours. He fought and he took care of every single Amalekite except for about 300 guys who escaped during the night. And the Bible says, and David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. Just like God said. But you make a warrior-like decision, and that is you're going to get up and you're going to pursue. You're going to pursue. You're you're not going to wait for the battle to come to you you're going to go to the battle. And that is how you overcome your fear, by making king-like decisions, by making priest-like decisions and inquiring of God, and making warrior-like decisions and pursuing, overtaking, and recovering. Glory to God. Now, I want to end the story 
with just, well, whatever happened to the Philistines? They went into battle against Saul, and Saul died in the field with Jonathan and his other brother. And David wept, of course, for Saul and Jonathan and all like this. But two days later, now remember here, okay, day one, the men are thinking of stoning David. Day three, they have recovered everything from the Amalekites, and now the children of Judah has anointed king David, king of Judah. Three days after they wanted to stone him, they have now anointed him king of Judah. This is how quickly things can turn for you in your life. Fears can make you... Fear can make people do stupid things. Fears will make people act weird. And, and there's so many expressions of how fear can make you, make you in your life. And I'm here to tell you, if you start making king-like decisions, and you start making priests-like decisions and inquiring of God, and you start acting like a warrior instead of like a wimp, and you, you pursue, overtake, and recover all, then God can turn the tide for you Amen. in a matter of three days. Wow. You go from wanting to be stoned and killed to being anointed king of Judah. Three days. That, that right there is how you change the battle.